0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean. Today, we're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs 33-31 victory over the Carolina Panthers. It was a windy day in Kansas City, and I'm starting to notice that the wind affects the medium-arm quarterbacks a lot more than the hard-throwing ones. Now, that comes with a certain amount of common sense, absolutely, that a guy that throws harder would be able to throw it through the wind much more easily. But I don't think I had the right amount of weight when it came to how much stock I put into, you know, how the wind affects someone like Teddy Bridgewater versus Patrick Mahomes. Now, it led to a bunch of different things as far as this game went. You know, Carolina has been a lot stronger on defense as the weeks have gone on. You know, I think it goes to show you that the, having no preseason, having a new coaching staff in these COVID times has really affected teams differently. And with a new coaching staff, with eight people that you drafted on your defense, trying to work in a new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback, all, kind of, all those kind of things can take some time to develop. And the Carolina Panthers have gotten stronger if things have gone, gone on. It's certainly a step in the right direction for them you know, hiring Matt rule has certainly gone well for them and I'm excited for them going forward. But what that means for us now is that, you know, at first it kind of seemed to me that the Panthers were going to be someone to target as far as the DFS and as far as my fantasy options go. But with a stronger coaching staff, With good teaching going on, with good discipline, this team has gotten better and better as as it's gone on. And I think they bought into what Matt Rule is selling as far as that goes. And that's a really encouraging thing for that franchise. But let's start off, as far as our analysis goes, with the Kansas City Chiefs since they won this game. You know, I don't think anybody would have said off the top that this was going to be such a close game. But like I said, the Carolina Panthers played well They played with a good amount of discipline on defense and didn't really fall for a lot of the trickeration that Kansas City offers. And there was a lot of it today. You know, I've never seen anybody motion a quarterback into a snap and then have them throw a touchdown. You know, you don't even have to have the throw the touchdown part to say I've never seen somebody motion somebody into a snap and then throw the ball. It was a, it was a cool wrinkle. Patrick made it happen immediately. And it was just something that all the eyes of the defense went to and distracted them. And it allowed Patrick to thread the needle and get that ball in there, man. It it wasn't just that either. They ran a pistol power. eye with three backs behind him. It was, there was some crazy things going on, but Carolina did a really good job of having good eye discipline. They seemed to have a good idea of what was going to go on to some extent. And Kansas City, weirdly enough, didn't even attempt to run the ball hardly. It was a weird feeling when they ran the ball in the third quarter. And I kind of wondered if that was their first carry up into that point, because it really was invisible up into that point. And Patrick was slinging the ball all around the field, and it took him a little while to get going. But once they put their foot on the pedal in the second quarter, it was all over from there. Carolina did a good job of coming back and making it close and, and even gave themselves a shot to kick a really long field goal. But it just wasn't enough. And certainly Patrick came through in a big way. They put it all on his shoulders today. 30 for 45 in windy conditions, 387 yards and four touchdowns. When you bought Patrick in the second round this or third round this year, this is what you were paying for. And it's taken the Chiefs reverting to their old self to really get there. Now, they didn't always sling the ball quite like this and only run the ball 12 times, but still, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks that they've kind of gotten a little bit more in tune with themselves, and it seems like there's been a shift as far as how they think they need to move the ball. And clearly, it worked, but it did seem a little disjointed in the first half. It did seem like they needed to kind of get the balance back a little bit, but at the same time, I mean... They are making decisions, and those decisions affect the fantasy production. So it's not up to us to say what they should do. It's up to us to figure out what they're going to do. And it may not be a situation where they run the ball so few times uh, in a game plan. Certainly, they've been better about being more adaptive to what the other team does. But at the same time, I just wonder if this is a trend going forward. They showed it last week against the Jets, and they're going to have a whole week to think about it with their bye week coming up. I'm also not scared of their schedule, so I'm definitely still trading for Patty. I mean, you probably can't trade for him after this, but if you can, if you're trying to upgrade into a quarterback, Patrick would definitely be one that I'm looking at more than Lamar for sure. I mean, they had the same price up front, but certainly Patrick has kind of showed his own old form, whereas Lamar hasn't got as much of a chance to do so. So on the schedule end, it's Las Vegas, Tampa Bay, Denver, and then the playoff weeks are Miami, New Orleans, Atlanta. Now, I'm less excited about the Miami end of that than I ever have been. Miami has showed a better defense and a better coaching staff and just a better overall game plan from week to week. And it showed in their fantasy production from their defense and what they're giving up. It's just not the same dumpster fire that it was last year. So that's not as sexy a matchup for week 14. Certainly, New Orleans has their times where they're able to compete on defense, so I'm not as excited about that matchup, but then you have the week 16 matchup, the money matchup, the championship round where you're playing Atlanta. And that's an ideal situation for Patty because Matt Ryan could possibly push him, but the Atlanta defense isn't going to stop him at all. So Patrick reverting back to form certainly has done good things for the offense. And it's been a lot of the top heavy options that have really feasted to this point. Tyreek and Travis really got loose today. Travis couldn't find the end zone, but he was all over the field. Certainly his stats were padded a little bit by a a garbage time throw at the end of the second half, but still they didn't have any answers for him, and he was all over the field and certainly contributed in a huge way to this win. He's been the tight end that's been worth it this year to go up and get and certainly has justified anyone that took him in the second or third round. And certainly just like with the rest of the offense – you know, getting back to throwing the ball a little bit more has been a big boon to him. I don't see any reason why he can't continue to do this because there's no way to just cover up all of the other options if you're doubling someone in this offense. So you double him, Tyree gets loose. You double Tyree, Kelsey gets loose. So it's a, it's a pick your poison type situation, and that's a good situation for fantasy and real NFL football because you have, can't let somebody dictate to you the terms of what you do on offense. When they can't seem to take something away from you, then you can do what you want, and that's what the Kansas City Chiefs have been doing the last couple of weeks. Now, like I said, we'll have to let them ferment for a week with the bye week, but I'm, I'm excited to see what they come out with. Definitely recommending Tyreek and Travis Kelsey as far as targets to try and consolidate value into. Certainly they've had big weeks, so that's going to be tough, but I can tell you that this is sustainable production. So it's something I'm buying, absolutely, especially with Patrick Humming. And the other good thing about the way they changed the playoff rules, there are no longer two teams that get bye weeks. There's only one team that gets a bye week at this point unless they change something, which is a possibility with the resolution they passed recently. But until they actually implement that, we're going with the information we have, that means that one team gets the bye week instead of two. And what that means for fantasy is that The Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to try longer to win games because with two bye weeks, a lot of times at the very end of the season, teams will have those two bye weeks locked up because, you know, there's two of them and they don't try as hard. They don't play their big players as hard because they're resting up for the playoffs and they don't want to get anybody hurt but there's more incentive this year with there only being one team that gets the bye week. You know, Pittsburgh is undefeated so far. Now, granted that may change with Big Ben being out, but at the same time, you got to be the best team in the in your division to get that bye week and that bye week is super important. Historically, the teams that get that bye week go on to the Super Bowl a big percentage of the time. Certainly, there's David and Goliath stories where the 6 seed wins, but predominantly it's those big two teams and that bye week is huge for getting that rest, getting people healthy, having a chance to game plan, just all of those things factor in. You don't lose anybody. It's just it's just a huge advantage, and they really clipped it down when they did the one team. Now, like I said, that could change, but I think that's gonna mean that the Kansas City Chiefs are gonna have to push themselves farther than they would have at eight at one than they would in other years. Now, on the flip side of this reversion, It has affected the Kansas City rushing attack a great deal. You know, they came out at the beginning of the season and seemed like they were going to have a more balanced offense. You know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire seemed like he was going to be the guy. A lot of things have happened since then. They've signed Le'Veon Bell, and then with this shift in the game script and the game plan, it's really left Clyde Edwards-Alaire a little out to dry. And when you drafted him in the first round, certainly that's not what you were thinking. You know, he salvaged the day with a nice touchdown, and that was good. You know, getting five targets is good, but he if he's going to only be getting targets and just barely be getting the, t- the carries, that's not going to be a good situation going forward. It's going to lead to a lot of lower days and a lot of days that crush you because he scores, you know, five points. So the way it's showing right now, I'm not excited about the situation at all. And especially when you add in Le'Veon getting carries and getting touches, just don't like the way that's looking, and certainly the Chiefs could flip the game plan again and start running the ball, but it doesn't seem like that's the way this is going to happen. So if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on Patrick continue to doing his thing versus them getting back to the running game and really relying on that, especially when they would rely on Le'Veon too, and he's looked just fine as well. But it was it was a weird sensation when they ran the ball in the third quarter, and I had to really think to myself. Had they run the ball before that? Because it was invisible and really it was all about them slinging the ball around up until that point. If this was a Brian Westbrook situation where, or even like Christian McCaffrey, where he's getting a lot of catches, he's a focal point of the offense, that would be different. But he's not. And with the splitting carries, it's just a disaster for fantasy owners that drafted him in the first round. But I'm guessing that's not news to anybody that's been dealing with that. So we're not buying on the Kansas City side. Let's switch over to the Carolina Panthers. Speaking of things I was buying or selling, to start the season, absolutely, I would have been selling the Carolina Panthers. New quarterback, new coaching staff, new OC, eight eight new draft picks on their defense. Certainly that was something I was not excited about and was probably going to fade um, outside of Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. I think I was into DJ Moore a bit, but still it wasn't. At a high price, it was if he slipped. And to begin the season, there was a bit of that. There was a bit of indecision. The defense didn't always know where to go. You know, they were trying to put things together on offense. You know, they lost Christian McCaffrey at a certain point to the ankle sprain. So it's just been a little bit of a mismatch. But I'll tell you, I'm so impressed with the way they have put things together. You know, Teddy Bridgewater has been a lot better than I expected. Having that offensive coordinator certainly helps – you can tell that the offensive design is certainly a big upgrade on what they had last year. And Teddy is certainly a big upgrade on Kyle Allen as well. Um, I wouldn't have expected that to be so dramatic just based on what I saw last year in new Orleans, but I think they kind of put him in the drew Brees role at that time. And this is kind of, they've kind of opened it up a little bit more to him with the Carolina Panthers. You know, they really game managed him in those new Orleans games And I'm excited to see another quarterback that is capable of producing offense in the NFL, because I'll tell you, watching games that have terrible quarterbacks is not cool. That's why the XFL was terrible, because they didn't have good quarterbacks. The top 60 to 80 quarterbacks at any given time are spoken for by the NFL. So watching the 85th best quarterback play the 100th best quarterback in the XFL, that's why that didn't work. So I'm excited to see that Teddy actually has what it takes to move an offense, to run a franchise, and good for him. He had such a catastrophic injury. It always scares me when players like that come back. I'm still scared every time I watch Alex Smith take the ball and throw it or, or especially run it. I can I can barely watch the Washington football team for not wanting to see him get hurt but good but like i said really good for teddy bridgewater it's still not an especially efficient downfield passing situation and especially with the wind today that really affected dj more I don't think that I'm looking at Teddy as a starting quarterback in 10 to 12 quarterback leagues, but if you got him as your quarterback three in a best ball or in a two quarterback league, I think you've got to be really happy with the results. I don't see anything that he's doing that isn't sustainable. And while he definitely needs to be involved with the touchdowns and he needs Christian McCaffrey back there to really hit his ceiling. I don't think that ceiling's a 10 to 12 quarterback, but I absolutely think it's a serviceable NFL starter. I think he's got, enough to actually do something in a playoff game, possibly. And, you know, a good defense is probably going to get to them at this point, but I think there's something to grow off here. So I'm super impressed and super startled, and I'm excited to see what Teddy can do going forward for this offense and for this team, because I I like Matt Rule. And although it's not the franchise I I root for, I, I am rooting for this team, and I am excited to see what they can do and move forward with. Speaking of moving forward, it was hard to get the news from Ian Rappaport that Christian McCaffrey was going to miss a bunch of time after what I saw today. You know, it, it was a big deal for Carolina to get him back. And while it wasn't an especially efficient day on the ground, I can tell you that every yard he got was fought for. He got extra yards on nearly every play that he was involved in. And he he just looked like him out there. He was making spectacular catches. He was, you know, just getting all those little extra things that you would actually pay a running back to do. Like, he's actually got that little extra level of vision, of speed, with enough power to make that speed work. He makes... Tremendous catches and run routes. And with Teddy looking at him so heavily in the intermediate term, if he can just remain in there, I don't see any reason that he can't produce the value he's produced in the past. And I was a little concerned about that with my misgivings about the Panthers originally. I still drafted Christian McCaffrey first when I got the first pick, but at the same time I did have a little bit of concern there, but I think I should have heaped that concern more onto the deep passing game than I would have the underneath game. Now, the report has come out that actually Christian McCaffrey is day-to-day, so we don't know for sure that he's going to miss any time yet. Now, it certainly speaks that he might miss this week being a day-to-day and having an injured shoulder, but like I said, we don't have that information yet. It was certainly nice for McCaffrey owners to get the information that he might not be done completely. I will say seeing someone that was injured get re-injured does reinforce one of my principles that, you know... when you pick up a running back that replaces an injured running back and that running other running back comes back, you don't want to necessarily drop the, the running back that replaced him right away. Although this was a totally different injury, injuries get reaggravated very easily. And when you have an injury that you've recovered from, you can overcompensate for that injury and it causes un- other injuries. So like you hurt your left knee, so you're using your right leg more, you end up hurting your right leg. Those type of things happen all the time in the NFL. And Christian McCaffrey potentially going out right after that shows you that when Mike Davis had, had such a stranglehold on the role without him and had shown that he could actually do something with the role, which is what we love in our backup running backs, that maybe you should hang on to him and make sure that Christian McCaffrey lasts the whole year. You know, I saw a diff- bunch of different posts, why did I drop Mike Davis? What was I thinking? And I thought to myself, yeah, that's why you don't do that because If Christian McCaffrey is actually is out, once again, Mike Davis is a really, really good-looking flex. Because even today with Christian McCaffrey back, he was involved. Now, it was one carry, but still he had five catches for 34 yards. He absolutely showed that he's still the backup. And while they do use Curtis Samuel a bit in the backfield, which I actually like from a football standpoint, but not a fantasy standpoint, I mean, it's still a good situation. It's still somebody you could have flexed if you didn't drop him. So hopefully you didn't. Uh, Hopefully I'm preaching to the choir here. But at the same time, it's just a principle you want to kind of lock away that, hey, if a running back's injured, he's more likely to get re-injured than someone that doesn't have any existing injury for that season. Now, something when I was assessing the Carolina Panthers that I'm surprised about, other than the other things I was already surprised about, was the roles that the receivers have played up until this point. Historically, DJ Moore had been the more underneath option for this offense, and for his career. Not to say that he couldn't get deep and hadn't. It's just that he had been the guy that had been the more possession-oriented receiver as far as the receivers go for the Carolina Panthers. You know, Curtis Samuel had been more of a big play option and more of a hybrid. Robbie Anderson is new, but had been more of a deep threat for his career as well. And oddly enough, they've kind of switched those roles. Curtis Samuel is still the hybrid, and is absolutely an interesting option as far as this, as fantasy goes. But I wanted to talk about DJ more first, because I think DJ has really flipped into this deep option in an offense that's not really deep oriented. They can throw it and they do sometimes, but not as much as other teams. And with the ball fluttering a little bit in the wind today, it just wasn't a good day for DJ. And it makes him a really hard to trust. You know, I would have thought that, Robbie Anderson would have been the one that struggles in that type of scenario but he's been working underneath and has really worked himself into the wide receiver 2 combo. And that's what I foresaw for DJ Moore is that he would be the one working underneath, he would be the one producing that value. But once again, this is another principle that you have to realize. There's the talent aspect of the equation. Both of DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson both have the talent. It's a question of what opportunity does his team give him, because DJ Moore does not choose which routes he runs. Neither does Robbie Anderson. Teddy distributes the ball once the choice is made. So it's also your chemistry with the quarterback. You throw in—it seems like a little lack of chemistry with DJ. Robbie Anderson seems to have more. The OC decides that Robbie's going to run the underneath routes and DJ is going to run the over the top routes, and all of a sudden. Robbie's the wide receiver, too, that we all thought DJ Moore could be. So that's why you draft talented wide receivers late, hoping that they can get the opportunity. Same thing with the running backs. You want running backs with talent that should they get to step into an opportunity in the late rounds, those are the guys that win you leagues. I know Chase Edmonds didn't have a good week last week, but those are the type of guys that I've been thinking about. Guys that have talent. Like, if Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey went down, I think Curtis Samuel would get a bigger look in the backfield. I think he has that talent, but it's been the opportunity. And speaking of Curtis Samuel, he's gotten a bigger opportunity, not only in the backfield, but also they're giving him the ball more too. So he's kind of pushed his way into the flex conversation. I'm way more worried about him than I am Robbie Anderson to this point. Robbie's kind of earned my trust with the underneath routes with Teddy. But at the same time, I see a lot of explosive plays with Curtis Samuels and it's starting to make me wonder, especially if Christian McCaffrey were to be out, if he would get more touches, I tell you what though, you know, you think Christian McCaffrey does sap up a lot of the fantasy value, but he does also keep drives going for this offense. So I think it's one of those situations where, yeah, certainly he does get a lot of touchdowns and whatnot, but I think everybody will produce better overall if they have more plays and a better sustainable offense. So I'm in on Robbie Anderson down the stretch. Probably, I'm I'm really worried about DJ Moore. I'll need to see them flip roles again before I really get excited about that. And like I said, the ball was fluttering a little bit today. And with Teddy not having a top 10 arm, it was tough for them to move the ball down the field. So DJ Moore is certainly going to have some better blow-up weeks, I would think, but We're looking for fantasy production that's sustainable that we can predict. And it's just been a little bit more unpredictable. Same thing with Curtis Samuel, but at least he's showing that he has more of a role and a better role for Teddy in the offense than expected. Well, that's all I've got for this game. Like, listen, subscribe, download's the important one. Definitely get in there and download and uh, let me know if there's anything I can do as far as, you know, content that you're looking for and uh, look out for the video drop starting on Thursday. Have a great day, you guys.